it's easy to recognize what we want in a relationship, to find somebody who shares your values and that makes your tummy tickle and that you love kissing and who laughs at your jokes and makes you feel important and interesting. Like that, that's a great first step. But building things from there, marriage doesn't come with an instruction manual. And most of us, what happens is we start building our relationship and a few years in, we step back and look at it and go, oh, this does not look like what I thought we were going to have. Life gets easier if we figure it out together. Welcome to The Lisa Show. So my high school boyfriend, when I first met him and I just wanted to know everything about him, I found myself going to a lot of band rehearsals. You know, he played bass in a band. It was so cool. And I went to every performance and I just thought it was awesome and just wanted to listen to all the music he did and just dive deep into like what made him tick and and who he was. And it's really interesting because then I think like six months later... I mean, I couldn't even tell you the bands that I listened to for him and I was dating somebody else. And (laughs) that kind of connection, you know, is fleeting beyond that initial infatuation, like having a real connection with somebody where you feel like you can share your hopes and dreams with them and your life with them and making plans is an entirely different thing. And there's a lot of different things that go into making that deeper connection. So when you're looking for that, whether you are starting a relationship or you've been in a relationship or a marriage for a really long time, it's totally normal to feel those ups and downs. And if you want it to reach a new level of of depth and connection and love and satisfaction really within that relationship, how do you do that? So I have my sister Gina here. Gina, how do you deepen your connection with your husband? Well, I think it's interesting. The first step is to recognize that something's not right. (laughs) And the longer I've been married, um, I can tell. But when I was first married, I was unable to tell by, you know, if he's acting a little grumpy or, you know, things were off. I I didn't know if it was me or if he was just tired or, (laughs) you know, what the reasoning was. And so I think it's important to start off a relationship, or if you haven't, start off this way, then jump into this now. But you have to talk. You have to talk a lot about what exactly are you feeling? And you have to be honest with each other. Like, I'm a little irritated with you, you know. I don't have, you haven't been giving me the attention that I need because you don't want to feel needy. You don't want to feel, I don't know, at least for me, I'm so independent. I don't want to feel like, oh, I need someone or I need someone to pay attention to me or things like that. But when you're in a relationship, that's part of the reason you got into a oh. relationship <laughs> It's is to have somebody. It's funny that you would say, I don't want to feel needy or anything. Like, I really agree with that. Like people, it's hard to be vulnerable, right? Like it's hard to be the one that says, I need some attention. And, yeah. and actually like with my late husband, he used to tease me about that all the time because I would sort of hint around it. I'd be like, what are you doing? What are you reading? And like, get in his face. And then I'd say, what do you want to do? Or like, I would just kind of like bug him. And I, it's like, I knew I was doing it, but I thought it was funny and charming and cute. But I'm well, you were back, using, I'm sure it was a little annoying. <laughs> and he'd look at me and go, do you need some attention? And he would just stop like, you know, like he'd be reading or watching TV or doing something and he'd stop and like, Okay, like you need to say it. And I'd say, yeah, you know, I do. I, You know, I haven't talked to you for a while or I had a hard day and I need to process something. Like I need attention. And so because we were able to joke about it, then that kind of helped me, you know, express my needs a little bit better. Yeah, because you were disarming yourself. Like he was happy if you, he would have been fine if you just said, hey, I need some attention, but you weren't comfortable saying no. <laughs> And so you had to kind of put it out there that way. It's funny because- I just had to get in his face. So yeah. <laughs> how did you learn how to, 
Like, I'm just wondering, you said earlier, early in our marriage, you know, I wasn't as honest or I didn't really know how to talk about it. So how did you learn how to talk in the right way so that you could have deeper connections? Well, I had to acknowledge it first because I was the one with the blind spot that he needed attention. Oh. <laughs> because so you're so you the, don't need attention. He did. I, he did. Oh, it's the opposite. Gina. No, it's well, because I don't know. I just kind of took for granted. I don't know if I'm kind of a lone wolf kind of independent person in some random sort of way. And it's not it's not good or bad. It's just how it is. But it's it's interesting because as we've been married longer, I'm like, no, I realize I do need that touchstone with him. Like I need to connect with him and we need to have conversations and we need to more than just going over like the business of the household or whatever, we need to connect in, in a different way. And so it took me a while to acknowledge that and to really... Um, put the time and attention into giving him the time and attention that he needed. I guess I I think this happens with a lot of women too, as we have small children. We're just like tapped out by the end of the day. We're just done. Yeah, everybody wants stuff from us all the time. I know. And <laughs> and, and I've, I'll never forget, I heard um, someone talking about being touched out, you know, where they like kids are crawling on their back and they're always holding someone. And, you know, if you're nursing, then somebody's attached to you and, you know, all these different things. And by the end of the day, you know, if your partner wants to sit and snuggle or more, <laughs> then sometimes you're like, I am exhausted. Like, this is too much. But recognizing, you know what, that's probably going to be the most important relationship that you maintain, right? With your partner, your spouse, because that's going to remain after the kids are long gone. And it's interesting now we're, we just have two kids of our four at home. I mean, and it's just us and it's fun. You know, we, we like it, but our, our son who's 13 doesn't want to go out with us. He's like, oh, I'm like third wheeling. I don't want to. I don't want to hang out with you guys. Yeah. You know because we sit and talk about stuff. You know, and we obviously try to include him. And I'm like, hey, if you want dinner, we're going to dinner. I'm not making dinner. So, but but just how important that is, and that's because over the years we have recognized how important it is to stay connected and to be really honest with each other and be open about things. And um, you have to be honest about how you're feeling and what you need. I know that feels really vulnerable too, you know, and because I remember in different parts of my relationship going, okay, I realize what I need and being able to say it to somebody that you trust and who is going to, who's your partner is, it's still a risk, you know, just being totally honest. But when you have that deeper connection, ironically, it's less of a risk, right? Because you know that you're safe with them and in being vulnerable. And I think, and I think the challenge is for a lot of people that uh, if you haven't been receiving what you want and you feel disconnected, then getting over that hump, initial hump of like, I'm going to be the one that asks, or I'm going to be the one that expresses my needs or tells, you know, how I really feel and open that. And I could be shut down is it feels really hard. It does feel hard, but who else would you want to build that connection with? I mean, I think you have to go back to the reason that you got together is you wanted to be with this person yeah. for all, like all the time, <laughs> you know? You, and when you first get to know someone, you're just obsessed with them, right? And you just want to know everything about them and you have all these questions and then it, you know, and then when you get to a period where you feel comfortable, though, it changes. It does change, but then that's when you can open up and go deeper, right? Then you can express your needs and you can express your love and you can share those feelings that you have, you know, your deep, dark secrets, because hopefully you've built that trust. It's it's interesting. It's a loop, right? You have the trust, you share, and it deepens that. Yeah. And it keeps going around because you want those relationships. You want that, you know, that partnership. That's can be one of the greatest things in your life. That can be one of the the things that brings you the most joy. And so why wouldn't you put that effort into it? Why wouldn't you put your whole self into it? Don't hold back. I mean, right. I think that's really important. I know I do. I think sometimes we don't think that we're holding back or, or sometimes I just think 
we're afraid of yeah. them finding out who we really are. <laughs> yeah, or in it, even admitting it to ourselves. Yeah. Or thinking that we have a deeper connection than we don't, you know? Like, you, I, I think it's so interesting now, like, looking back on, you know, my relationship and now that, you know, my late husband isn't here and I, and I think about, you know, what it was and what it wasn't, it, you know, there's always this idea of how do you really get to know somebody? You know, how do you really know somebody? Because there's certain certain parts of you know, of the people that we're closest with, our, our partners or our children or, you know, our lifelong friends, siblings. And, and we think we know somebody really well, but there's always a part that you don't know. Don't you think? I think so because everybody has their like inner dialogue and their inner voice. Right. And sometimes we don't share that. And that's fine because... You know, it's just the dumb things we say to ourselves. Like, but I think... Like what? <laughs> like what, Gina? Like nothing specific. But I think that it's important, though, to share... I mean, if you care about the relationship, then you need to care about yeah. all parts of it. You need to care about when it's hard and when there's some really uncomfortable things you want to talk about. And you care about, you know, the fun stuff and the surface stuff. But it's, but you have, I don't know, you have these levels and you depending, have levels, you I have that's levels. That's a good point. It's depending, it's like what level friendship or what level mm -hmm. relationship mm -hmm. is this? And for me, like level one, like top level or base level, I, I don't know, however you want to, <laughs> however you want to describe it, is my husband. I mean, that is that's the, the most important mm -hmm. relationship right now for me. You know, I'm thinking about, there was a time, and this is really silly, but you'll get a kick out of this, I'm sure, um, where I felt like I knew more about Chris than he knew about me, and it really bugged me because it didn't <laughs> seem like he really cared as much as I did. And this is where I landed on this. This was earlier in our relationship, okay? So this was years and years ago. But I remember I know what his order is at every restaurant that we would go to. Like, I know what his usual is. I know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I can anticipate, like, you know, when he's drinking soda, when he's not drinking soda, you know, I, I know the, how he changes his fast food order at Wendy's. He always wanted it a chicken club with cheese, no tomato. Like, I knew this specific <laughs> order. And I remember one time I was feeling really like, just kind of bugged just about this idea. Like I had had it in my mind, like, you know, he doesn't even know. He doesn't even know what I, he doesn't ask what I want at Taco Bell or whatever, whatever it is. He Which, doesn't know I want a junior bacon cheeseburger with everything on it. Yeah. You know, and, and I know it's kind of silly, but it just, it felt like it represented more early on in our marriage. And I remember one time he said, uh, he was, they were going to, we, a bunch of friends, we were going to Dairy Queen and I was staying home with like our new baby, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, what do you want? And I go, my favorite. Because <laughs> you're such a brat. <laughs> and he goes, <sighs> what? And I go, you know, I want to get my usual that I always get at Dairy Queen, my favorite, you know, the thing I always get every single time. Is that going to be a uh, peanut butter cup blizzard, Lisa? No. Oh, no. see, At that's what time, I would guess. Okay. And <laughs> our friends were around, and they could sense they the tension, saw that. and they were like, "Oh," <laughs> and didn't say anything. And Chris got this really uncomfortable look on his face, and he goes, "Uh huh. It, uh, it's the. I mean, I know, but like, why don't we say it together?" <laughs> <laughs> At the same time, and I and I was so bugged, and I was trying to make a point, which obviously I made very passive aggressively, which I you know am very fluent in that language. Yes, that's excellent, Especially excellent for, modeling <laughs> behavior for well, your children. Listen, I, I, it, this was early on in our marriage. I learned to be a lot healthier. Oh, the kids were little; they they didn't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I got really mad, and I said, uh, "Come 
on. Like, I know your order for everything. You should know this one. And and then I told him what it was, which was a chocolate-covered cherry blizzard. Oh, okay. So then that happened, right? So then yeah. I said that. He comes back, and they're laughing. All the friends are laughing and stuff. And I was like, what? And he's like, I couldn't even remember what you said. And I said, <laughs> what? He's like, I couldn't even remember. He's like, I, I, I know you told me. And it, and, and I was like, okay, I'm going to remember it's that, you know, and he's like, and I got there to order and I went to order and I was so nervous that I just said, I need one special cherry mountain surprise. (laughs) (laughs) And the friends we were with looked at him like, are you kidding? (laughs) And he goes, I need a special, he called it a special cherry mountain surprise. And the lady at Dairy Queen was like, what? Like, we don't even make that. I don't even know what that was. And my friend who was with them was laughing so hard. And she was just like, I was listen, he's trying hard. He can't do it. He is not, you know, and and I, so I learned like you can't put all these expectations for someone, you know, to, to sort of love or know you in the same way that you would. It doesn't mean that he didn't love me or didn't know me. He, he, um, is, well, was the absent-minded professor and couldn't remember that kind of stuff. But that has been a jo- was a joke for a long time in our marriage of like, don't worry, babe, I got, I'm going to get you a special Cherry Mountain surprise. And I'm like, yeah, 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 thanks. But he That's tried, so funny. but it just wasn't a part of his sort of process and how to remember things. And I'm wondering, is there a time where you really realized that about your partner, that in order to have a deeper connection that you had to sort of change your expectation on 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 what that looked like. Definitely. I think and to your story, I have to say Chris <laughs> does know you very well because yeah. for Christmas he would always pick out these oh, random amazing gifts that you didn't even know you wanted. Yeah. And to me, I think that's even more of an indication than knowing what you wanted at Dairy Queen. And so anyway, I thought that yeah. was it's funny. I, you know, he, you'd always be like, "I he, look what Chris got me. I didn't even know I wanted it. Yeah. But now I can't live without it, you know. Yep. So I think it's interesting because with those expectations, it's going to come disappointment. Uh, amen. <laughs> you just can't. No, it's true. Because it, what you, and so I think this is really important to find out what your partner wants and do what they want. Okay, so what does that look like in your relationship? Okay, so my like love language, if you're familiar with the five love languages, you know, my love language is acts of service. Like if you want to do anything, just clean up the kitchen or mm-hmm. do, you know. And that will make you feel that loved. That makes me feel loved. And for my husband, it's come sit down next to me <laughs> and watch TV <laughs> and rub my head. Yep. You know, he loves, he loves me to rub his head. And for me, I'm like... I'm a multitasker. Like, I can't just sit down and watch TV. I have to be doing something else at the same time. But I've learned Mm -hmm. that if I want to show him that I'm trying to meet him and fill his needs, then that's what I'll do is I'll just go sit and be still and not be working on something else and not be reading a book at the same time and just give him that attention, which it seems so simple. And it's interesting. Over the years, he started to do the dishes some, you know, not every night, but often so that I don't have that stress, you know, and, really sweet. and running stuff. Yeah. Which is very, very sweet. Cause that is not, that was not in his, you know, wheelhouse really. Mm-hmm. That is something that he's developed and he knows how I like the kitchen wipe down at night because that's, you know, I just have to have things in order. We talked about this before, in order <laughs> before I go to bed. Mm-hmm. And so he does that for me because he knows that that's how I'm going to feel that love. And so just shifting those expectations to what really speaks to the other person changes, you know, what you're expecting to receive. Yeah. yeah. Because honestly, I feel good and I feel fulfilled if I'm doing something for him. Even though it's not the way that I feel love, it does grow that love and it builds that connection. You're listening to The Lisa Show. I think the tendency is everyone's like, yeah, you know, it's a busy time or 
we're just in a, a phase. We won't always be like that. And to not really like go that extra mile to have a deeper connection. And I don't know. It's probably because I don't have it right now, you know, because I am separated from Christopher because <laughs> death. And <laughs> there's so, that. There's that. And, and, and because I see such value to it, it's like I want to become like the poster child for like, no, it's worth it. No, make you that know, connection. Make that connection. And I see such the value in it. You know, do you have friends? I mean, I'm sure you do that you talk to them and they're like, well, you know, kind of complaining about feeling disconnected or, you know, we're not as in love as we used to, but that's okay, right? Like that's just how everybody is, right? How do you, I mean, I, I feel like maybe this is an opportunity for you to be able to to express like the value of pushing through it and making that that effort, whether it's therapy or whether it's date night or whether it's sitting and talking or responding to their, you know, specific love language needs. Like, why is that effort worth it? You have to be intentional about it. And I think it's worth it because this is the most important relationship. It's unfortunate, but I have seen some couples that just haven't made time for each other and they just drift apart and then it's not important. And then what happens, I've I've seen either you go looking for it somewhere else, someone else who will give you attention and value and not take it for granted. Um, or sometimes, you know, different addictions or different ways to fill that hole. Mm, to come like in. self-soothe. And, yeah, to self, yeah. because that is a connection. I think that we all yearn as humans. We're social creatures and we want that and we want that partnership. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to maintain what you have and to continue to choose that. And that's the thing is, I think it has to be a conscious, continual choice. And one thing that um, my husband's been really, really good at is setting aside date night, even in the busy times, even in, you know, when we didn't have as so much money just yeah, to go. Yeah, afford it. We're still yeah, going to go Yeah, go just on, go on walks or just, you know, go to a cheap place. You know, I know your family loves the Taco Bell. That's not very that's expensive. I love everything. It's so gross. We love we all never, I've never gone on Taco Bell on a Don't date. Okay. Snob. Well, I'm sorry. I am. But... Um, <laughs> I'll go get tacos somewhere else. I was going to say, we can agree on like taco time. (laughs) Taco time, Del Taco. Yeah, sure. So I just, it's important because it also, I mean, science has proved that people that are married and in good relationships live longer, they're more healthy, they're happier. I mean, it's just beneficial all around. And also to keep that Statistically, Statistic- it didn't work out I know. so well for me. But thanks <laughs> for bringing I, that up. I Just kidding. <laughs> we as were I, in a really happy marriage. I know. And he got real sick. I'm sorry. <laughs> thanks as for I bringing that, it up, Gina. I say that. <laughs> your face drops. You, people can't they see this. But, what? Well, <laughs> barring incurable diseases that Super randomly rare. attack, yeah. rare incurable diseases. But here's the thing, is no, your I'm, life... I'm just but, but really, and here's the thing, I absolutely 100% agree with what you're saying. But your life is better with is. a good partner. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, I um, spoke to a friend of mine who had, um, due to addiction and infidelity, was separated from her husband um, for a long time. They worked through quite a bit. And she said, if anybody would have told me my story, I would have like gone leave, like run. Like it's simple. It's simple. Yeah. And she's like, and I was totally justified. She said, but I imagined my life without my family intact, without my children together with my husband. And she's like, that's not the life that I wanted. She, and so they fought for it. I mean, they stayed in love, but had to work through some of his addiction issues. And another really, really compelling reason was she says, I chose it and I was taking accountability for my choices because I knew, I knew really who he was and I knew what we could accomplish together and really wanted to maintain that and keep that together for their kids. And I just thought, wow, that, I mean, talk about fighting for it and talking about really making that commitment to work through really huge challenges and 
and improve their marriage. And she said, we had to be so honest and so open with each other to really work through some of those huge, huge challenges. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's important to talk about the highs and the lows in in relationships and in marriages and being really honest about what helps you be more connected because it's going to be different for every couple, you know, and, 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 and I feel like now too, I want to tell you that my current order at Dairy Queen is just a nice medium chocolate dipped cone, nice and simple. And I just feel like somebody needs to know that. So I think that person's UG. Okay. I'll take it. It is important for us to be open about talking about this so that we can be aware of it and catch it to keep our relationships moving forward and being great. So it might seem like a weird topic to talk about deepening your connection with your partner (laughs) when I don't have a partner. Mm. Uh, But this is something that I feel very, very passionately about. And it is really difficult for me to talk about if I'm being completely transparent because I lost my partner of 25 years and he has since passed away. It's been about 20 months. Um, and so I've had a lot of time to think about the the benefit of having a deep connection with your partner because right now I'm feeling the acute loss of that, right? And, and the funny thing about grief, <laughs> so many fun surprises, let me tell you, is that grief changes over time and, and the part of of the loss of that connection that I'm feeling now is a very specific appreciation for things that I hadn't even noticed when we were married, right? So there's a lot of little things that I realized that he did for me, big and small, that made my life easier or just made my life more enjoyable that kind of come up right? Every once in a while is sort of a wave of grief of like, oh yeah, I forgot he was able to do this or say that in this kind of situation or give me a a knowing look or something when our kids say something ridiculous or he knows just what to say or to do. Anyway, I have felt that accumulation of those little tiny losses. And it's so interesting because it makes me appreciate him in a new and in a different way. And that's why I feel so passionately about that. So I'll tell you that when Christopher was diagnosed with a terminal disease, when we started this journey of like, oh, what is our life going to look like now? And it was just totally, you know, exploded. We were in a really great place in our marriage. And I realize now looking back, because this is now what, six years ago? what a blessing that was, like what a benefit it was that we were in such a great place. I felt very, very connected to him. We weren't taking each other for granted. We were really enjoying each other, like in our marriage. And it wasn't easily achieved, right? Like it was very hard won. And because we had been married for so long, you know, at that time, about 21 years, you know, we had been through a lot of ups and downs. So we knew the difficulties of what it really means, like brass tacks in a marriage of trying to renegotiate what you need in a relationship. And so we'd fought for it. We really did. We had fought for um, each other and we had changed and listened and adjusted and done the hard work in order to get to that place. And the benefit of being in such a good place when things got really, really hard, it's just like just now I'm able to realize the benefit of that, about how it made going through those horrible times of adjusting to his terminal disease and helping him come to terms with death and dying and 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 raising teenagers and sending them off into the world and all the difficult things that came after that. What a great place to be in that we had this deep connection that we had fought for in big and small ways. And so that's why I want to have a conversation about the benefit of having that and doing it. Because I've been in those places before where you're like, well, you know, we're all, we're both busy. A lot's going on in life. We'll get to each other later. You know, we got to take care of this thing first. You know, we've, we've been there. We, you know, I've experienced that, but it is worth the effort. It is worth the fight. It is worth the struggle to get to that place. And it's just now that I'm realizing the full benefit of that. Now, I was introduced to Nate as someone who knows what it's like to really deepen your connection with your partner. Uh, He's been through it, and it also helps that he's a therapist, too. So, Nate... 
tell me a little bit about your experience in your marriage. Yeah, my, so my wife and I met several years ago at church and quickly fell in love, but the, the space between meeting and falling in love, well, maybe it wasn't so quick. Maybe I lied a little bit. We were friends first and I was kind of the safe guy for my wife. Hmm. And the way she, she tells the story, I came home from a date one day and I was really frustrated and I was hanging out with her and a couple other friends. And I vented my frustration that all I was looking for was somebody who wanted to show up and play the game of life the way that I wanted to play it. Somebody who wanted to grow together and somebody who wanted to take relationships really seriously and show up like adults and like really try to make something extraordinary. And she said in that moment, she kind of shifted from seeing me as a friend to maybe seeing somebody who had a shared dream. She realized she wanted something very similar. Mm. And that's when she kind of cracked the door open for me to really date her and pursue her. So once she jumped in with both feet, and I jumped in with both feet, it, it moved pretty quick. And since then, we have had an amazing life. My wife is a nurse. And we were married for several years, had a beautiful baby who is now one and a half years old. And I currently work as a marriage educator, which sounds really weird. There aren't many of us out in the world, but I love helping people create really amazing dynamic relationships. And I was actually doing this long before I met my wife. So well, that's this interesting. isn't something... What does a, a marriage educator do? In my experience, there's a big gap between a self-help book and a therapist. Most people go turn to a therapist when they're in crisis, mm -hmm. when they're facing what feels to be an insurmountable issue. And I feel like there's a space before that where there's people who realize maybe things aren't what they wanted it to be. The analogy I use is I think every one of us can recognize a dream home when we see one. You might be driving through the, somebody's neighborhood and be like, oh my gosh, that house is so beautiful. Now, most of us don't know how to build a dream home like that from scratch. If we were left with a giant pile of tools and supplies and, and equipment, and we were left there for a couple of months to build our dream home, you know, when somebody came by to check on us, I doubt what we would have built would look anything like the home that we admired. But that doesn't mean we have really bad taste. And I think relationships are the same. It's easy to recognize what we want in a relationship. It's easy to recognize a good plot of land where you want to build your relationship, like to find somebody who shares your values and that makes your tummy tickle and that you love kissing and who laughs at your jokes and makes you feel important and interesting. Like that, that's a great first step. But building things from there, marriage doesn't come with an instruction manual. And most of us, what happens is we start building our relationship and a few years in, we step back and look at it and go, ooh, this does not look like what I thought we were gonna have. And that discrepancy is what I describe as roommate syndrome. And so what I really like to help couples do is get out of that roommate rut to reignite the flame and the passion. And I do that by teaching them a lot of relationship skills and showing them a common blueprint that the happiest and most fulfilled couples tend to follow. Have you ever experienced this roommate dilemma in, in your own marriage? Yeah. What I found is that it's inevitable. Roommate syndrome is, is a feature of marriage. It's not a bug. It's something that if you're doing huh. your marriage right, you will encounter roommate syndrome. So it's not avoidable. So what causes it? No. Roommate syndrome is a symptom of reaching your own limitations. So we all have limitations that we want to avoid, things that make us uncomfortable, um, conversations we don't want to have, imperfections and insecurities that we don't want to acknowledge or confront. And at the beginning of a relationship, when you know all those love chemicals are going on in your brain and everything's new, you're surrounded by novelty, it's really easy to overlook each other's flaws mm -hmm. and imperfections and idiosyncrasies. But the longer you're together and your life starts to become busy and things start to slow down and become more monotonous and predictable, and then one day you start to realize, you know, you're grading on each other a little bit. You're not the, the source of validation and safety and excitement and connection that your partnership isn't that anymore like it once was. And now maybe your, your marriage is becoming the source of a lot of your frustration and tension and anxiety. And it's making you feel more insecure than you've ever felt before. And that's a symptom of reaching your own limitations. And the cool thing about that and why this is a feature and not a bug is that the statistics show that overwhelmingly most marriages get worse over time, but there's a small fraction of marriages that get better over time and are happier now than any other marriage in the history of marriage. 
So there's a small subsection of, of relationships that are flourishing and thriving despite everybody else not. And those types of relationships are the people who have learned to lean into the discomfort of confronting their insecurities and their limitations and outgrow the problems that they're facing now. And on, on the other side of that growth is this amazing, deep, profound connection and trust and passion. And it, it comes with a price. And most people want to have that type of relationship without paying the price. And the price is getting to that roommate syndrome place and then figuring out together, how can we confront our own limitations? How can we look at the, the ways that we're standing in the way of our own growth and maybe step aside and, and grow up emotionally, mature a little bit so that we can create more space for our relationship to be happier and more fulfilling and more meaningful. You're listening to The Lisa Show. We'll be right back. You know, it's really interesting talking to you as, a, you know, a marriage educator, and I appreciate you being so vulnerable in expressing like what your experience has been like with your spouse, and 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 I'm sure that there are a lot of people that you just talk to like as friends and maybe not in a professional capacity, and. Are there certain patterns that you see that you're like, oh, please don't do that. Oh, please stop doing that. Oh, no, if you just would do that. Like, do you live your life like that where you want to tell people things, but, you know, you wait till they're asked? Uh, yeah, it's it's hard. What are they? Uh, but, oh, oh man, <laughs> tell how them. long you got? Yeah, I was going to say, but spill it now. You know what's even funnier? The, the, the funnier side of this is that I see them in myself. Oh, interesting. Huh. It, it, it happened. Like, um, the other day, my wife and I had an argument. And it was a, it was a, it was a more intense argument than we we've had in a really long time. And, mm-hmm. um, I started the conversation. I could tell she was emotional and I started the conversation by telling her the things that I was frustrated with. And I was like, I just need to feel heard. Like I need, I need you to know that these things are driving me nuts. <laughs> oh. And I know that's a really bad strategy, but I was, I, things had gotten to a point where I was just feeling lonely and upset and hurt. And I needed to air my grievances because I'm, I just, I, you can tell I don't have a problem talking. I, I, <laughs> Me neither. You know, it's a, it is a gift and a curse. I was going to say, it goes both ways. <laughs> and I tell people all the time, start conversations like this from a place of curiosity. You know, come to your partner. If you're feeling pain, if you're feeling neglected, if you're feeling like, you know, things aren't going the way you want, you know, your partner's probably hurting too. And if you get a little curious, you might learn about their behavior and what might be motivating the behavior or whatever's going on in the relationship that's hurting you. And when you gain that context, you might realize, oh my gosh, your partner's hurting too. Mm. Your partner's going through something really difficult and rough. And I did not start with curiosity. And so I started piling on my wife and I could see her well up with tears and she got emotional. And then I stopped myself and I couldn't put the words back in my mouth, but I got eventually got curious and found out that she had been struggling and suffering with some really difficult things silently that I didn't know about. And I'm like, dang, Nate, dog, take your own advice, man. Yeah. The realization that I have is that most of us show up in our relationships and we follow our basic human instincts. Our gut tells us to do something mm-hmm. um, or that animalistic part of your brain says, oh, you need to protect yourself or, oh, you need to put on your armor and hide or you need to go on the attack And oftentimes the thing that your instinct is telling you to do is actually the opposite of what you should be doing. And the thing that your, your basic human instincts are inviting you to do are actually the thing that will make the problem worse. And I think that's what's really difficult about marriage is you want to be close to somebody, but in being close to them, you're kind of having to sacrifice safety a little bit. You have to take off your armor to experience that intimacy. And if you get hurt by your partner, then there's no better solution than distance. And so we create this distance from our partner because we don't want to be hurt again. And then if we get hurt again, we create a little bit more distance and a little bit more distance. And then you wake up one morning and you realize there's this giant chasm between you and your partner. You're on one side of the Grand Canyon, they're on, they're on the other. Mm. And it's because, you know, you still love each other, but this is the distance you need in order to feel safe. So part of what having a great relationship is about is learning to experience safety 
and closeness at the same time? How can you tolerate the anxiety of having your partner say something that hurts your feelings mm-hmm. and giving them the benefit of the doubt, like you said you did with your husband earlier? You know, how can you sit in in the midst of conflict and say, "Oh, I said the wrong thing. I'm so sorry." Can I can I go back to curiosity and see if I can understand you better? You know, those are really difficult things to do. But if we can tolerate that anxiety and forgive one another in the midst of the conflict, we can stay close and feel safe at the same time. And that's that's kind of the catch-22 of relationships. And it's a really difficult thing to manage. So most of the problems that I see, the pattern, is people sacrificing safety for closeness or people sacrificing closeness for safety. Oh, interesting. And having a good balance, then, I mean, that's the ideal. And that gets you to the deeper connection. What everybody's yeah, looking for. Yeah. Hmm. Most of us will prioritize safety over intimacy any day of the week. That's what I find. So it's a matter, I think the, the number one challenge that most people face is how can I help myself feel more safe so that I can tolerate more closeness? Tolerate more closeness. That's sometimes what it feels like, right? Like, oh, yeah. this is raw. This it, is That's ooh. exactly what it is. Yeah, it's a rough. But the benefits of it is true intimacy, true connection. Yeah. Wow. Yep. You're not roommates. No. You're Mm-mm. actually lovers. Yeah. And you can you can have passion. I love that because our desire to to really be connected is what you know makes us take that that leap of faith anyway to get married yeah. or to couple or you know. And and so it's like it's almost the intention from the beginning, but somehow it's easy to get lost because you get scared or you get hurt or you try and you yep. feel like the other person isn't trying and and it it seems to me that it it needs to be a constant, like built into the, you know, how you think about your marriage. Yeah. Let me tell you a quick story about this. Yeah. So about 18 months ago, my wife and I found ourselves in a deep roommate syndrome situation. Like it was, it was getting pretty bad. My wife had been pregnant with our child through the beginning of the pandemic. Um, she was a nurse. So she was on the front lines as an ICU nurse, taking care of some of the most sick patients um, in, in the state and watching people die. And she was coming home and we eventually had the baby. And then she had postpartum depression on top of that and, you know, feels like a stranger in her own body. And um, so we're dealing with pandemic stuff. We're dealing with family stuff. We're dealing with mental and emotional health stuff. And we got to this point where I felt like my wife was giving all of the best of her to her job Hmm. and our baby and I were getting the leftovers. And how do you say that to somebody that you love, who you also know is really suffering? Yeah. Who's having a hard time with themselves. Ooh. Yeah. So that gave me a lot of anxiety. I was worried. I'm like, how do I bring this up to my wife? Because I don't want to hurt her and I don't want to make things worse. But at the same time, if things keep going, I'm worried about the future of her and of our relationship. Like what's going to happen? So I found a good time where we could talk and I tried to be really gentle. And I, and I was like, I'm worried about you. I love you. And I see you burning the candle at both ends. And I feel like you're getting burned out. How are you feeling? She's like, I'm not good. I totally can see how I'm getting burned out. And I'm like, can I be really honest? And she said, yeah. I'm like, I think I think you might be giving the best of yourself to work. And I think that our baby and I might be getting the leftovers. And she burst into tears and she's like, you're right. Oh. And I said, I gave her a hug and you know, she calmed down. And, and I said, what do, you, what do you want to do? And she's like, what, should, what, what can I do? And I'm like, do you think now would be a good time to step away from your job a little bit, maybe scale down at work and and maybe not work as many hours or consider leaving. And she's like, I don't want to not be a nurse. Mm. And I'm like, I know you don't want to not be a nurse, but I also know you love our family. What do you, what do you think would be best? And she's like, I think maybe I need to take a break from work. And she's like, I can always come back. I'm like, you absolutely can. So she called her boss. They scaled back her work hours for a couple of months until she could train somebody to take her place. And um, as she was kind of lowering down the work situation, we had a conversation about whether or not we wanted to stay in Utah. And she's like, you know, I really just feel like it would be good for us to get away for a little while. So we can kind of just land on our own two feet and maybe do some healing. And I said, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you want to go? And we'd had this running joke in our family that uh, we should just up and move to Costa Rica. So we put some feelers out there. And within, (laughs) within like 48 hours, we had found a place to live. And then about a week later, we had found somebody to rent our house while we were gone. And then about two months later, we were 
we're gone. We're living in this, in this beautiful tropical paradise. And, um, it's not the plan that we had when we got married, but as we had these conversations about where our marriage was at, where our family was at and what we needed in order for us to heal, what we realized is that we needed, um, to slow down. We needed some time to be together, just us. We needed somewhere where we could go, where we could focus on our physical, mental, and spiritual health and the health of our relationship. And like a lot of people have looked at this trip that we've taken down to Costa Rica. We plan to be here for a full year and they think we're kind of crazy or we're irresponsible or we're living the dream life and we're loaded. And none of those things are true. We're trying to be very intentional and just give our marriage what it needs. And I think a lot of people get caught up in the shoulds of what their marriage should look like, what Mm. their life should look like. And sometimes the thing that you need to bust out of that roommate rut is to really pay close attention like a nurse would to a patient. What are the symptoms? What, what does this patient need right now? If your, if your marriage was a patient and it was, it was on life support, what does it need? You know, does it need to slow down? Do you need to be in that high demand job that is requiring you to spend lots of time away? You know, do your kids need to be in all of those extracurricular activities? Do we need to own things that we can't afford? Do we need to be surrounded by all this stuff? Do we even have to live in the United States? Like there's so many things that we say yes to and that we fill our lives with that don't contribute to the relationship that ultimately we want and that makes us most happy. And so this is a really dramatic, I don't think everybody needs to up and move to Costa Rica to heal their marriage, but this is an example of one of the things that we have chosen to do because it's what was best for us, despite what many other people may have thought. And what has been the result? What have you noticed? It's it's been hard. Really? Yeah, it's been really difficult because once again, now we have nowhere to hide. We don't have friends and family members to go hang out with. We don't have like... Uh, we're, we're far away from the community that we were raised in. And so we're being exposed to a lot of our own limitations. But the great thing about it is that it's offering us an opportunity to like check in with ourselves and check in with each other and take care of some of these problems. Um, a great example is like my wife realized that the medication that she was taking when she was experiencing postpartum depression was really helpful to her Hmm. and that she had sunken backwards a little bit and was feeling sad and um, was like low energy. She was feeling really depressed again. And so she went and talked to a medical professional and they're like, yeah, you should probably go back on those medications. And the last couple of weeks and months since she's gone back on had made a world of difference. Like she's happy again. She's feeling more grounded. She's Hmm. feeling more connected. We've been focusing a lot on our health. We don't eat out. There's like no fast food here. And so we, we make everything from scratch. We're less busy because we don't, there's not parties and activities every single week that we need to go to. And so we're just together. And um, if your relationship is not in a good place and you're together all the time, you'll find out really quick what the things are that you need to work on. Yeah, I think we're going to come home physically, mentally, emotionally, and relationally in a much healthier place. I love hearing that perspective of not only identifying the problem, but the lengths that you're willing to go to do it, knowing that it's still not going to solve everything, but yeah. that that you're thinking outside the box. I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said that, you know, we we have all these shoulds that we think we should do, and sometimes your marriage is not going to look the way that you think it would. And so then the solutions to make a deeper connection are not necessarily going to be what you think they should look like. Right. But the cool thing is, is sometimes when you don't get what you thought you wanted, you get something better. Like I wake up, Lisa, I wake up every day and I go for a one hour walk on the beach. That's amazing. I never, I never (laughs) in my wildest dreams thought that that would be my life. But here I am because, you know, our, our marriage had a little bit of a crash and burn moment and we had to have an honest conversation about what we needed. And now I wake up every morning and I walk three minutes down the road and then I'm on one of the most beautiful beaches in the world. One of my favorite quotes, I think it's by Carl Jung. He says, the thing you most desire is in the cave you fear to enter the most. Yeah. Ooh. And the treasure, whether that's the, the deeply connected, passionate relationship, that treasure is inside the cave that you don't want to look into, which is what are the shadowy, dark parts of yourself that mm-hmm. you don't want to acknowledge? What are the issues in your relationship that you're pretending aren't there? What are the insecurities that you're trying to avoid facing? Because it's just easier to avoid it than it is to deal with it. Well, you don't get that beautiful treasure. You don't get the amazing marriage unless you're willing to stare those things in the face. Like you, unless you're willing to walk into the cave and slay the dragon. 
I think it's safe to assume that life is going to throw something very difficult to all of us and probably multiple difficult things. And in that moment, we all have the choice of whether or not we're going to let that difficulty connect us deeper to our partner or drive us away from each other. And we get to choose. And I really want to be the voice that says, I have been there through lots of difficult things. It is so worth it to choose to connect, to have it make you more loving and more connected and have that deeper connection. Even amid everything, the loss that I felt, the loss of the relationship, it's worth it. It's still worth it to have had it, to know what that's like. And, and I want to be the voice that says that that is everything. The Lisa Show is a production of BYU Radio. This week, our show was produced by me, Lisa Valentine Clark, Richie T. Stedman, and McKay Menden, with help from Angela Larson and Jocelyn Jensen. Next week on the show, how can we learn to care about and even love people who don't like us very much? Having had kids, it makes you realize that everyone is someone's baby. Even stupid dummies who don't agree with you on politics. <laughs> and so that motherhood has probably made me have just natural empathy more than anything else. Make sure to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And please don't forget to subscribe. our Council of Moms in action before. Being a caregiver means that my time without my kids is so precious. And if that means I need to sit and watch like four hours binging a show, mm -hmm. I have finally in my 40s given myself permission to be like, I can do this. I, it's okay. I'm allowed. I'm a grown up and I get to do what I want to do. But coming soon, we want to answer your questions, whether it's parenting, finances, being creative, or just being a woman. We're going to tackle all of your queries as a group of parents in all different stages of life. What I have with my kids is a, we actually have a good thing going here, and I'm not going to screw that up by looking around to see, oh, what am I not doing? So send us your questions, struggles, doubts, and worries so we can work through it together. I love mm -hmm. the deep talks, mm -hmm. but sometimes I just want to laugh, <laughs> and that's all I need. Message us on Instagram and Facebook at The Lisa Show, or you can reach out to Show at byu.edu. The Council of Moms is answering your questions on The Lisa Show. 